Welcome to Crisps for Dinner. I am Brayden Alexander Matthew Goff. Why are you speaking like a robot? Am I speaking like a robot? <laughs> a little bit. Oh. Um, and I'm Karina Brown. And we love each other, despite some of us sometimes speaking like robots. We've got a lot to discuss today. We've got a tremendous amount to discuss, mainly around one topic that we've been speaking about almost every single day, it feels like. Not quite every single day, but um, many of our days. It plagues a lot of our thoughts because we live together. That is a fact. We love each other. We live together. And we've actually moved in together fairly quick because we had, prior to dating, we were roommates. Yep, very true. We were roommates, which surprisingly, if you decide to date your roommate, then the odds are you're going to have a pretty good relationship because you already know what each other's farts smell like, right? And for us, we ended up moving in together probably about six months after we started dating. Yeah, it was pretty quick. I guess a lot of the unknowns often come with moving in with a partner were less unknown for us. They were knowns. They were very much much knowns. And um, I knew that you weren't a lunatic to live with and presumably vice versa. And thus it felt like quite a risk-free decision. Yeah. I mean, many of our evenings that we did spend together, which weren't, there weren't many of them, but usually it was me, you, and our other roommates sat on the couch. You two were sat on the couch and I was laying on the ground foam rolling (laughs) excessively. But we've decided to live together and we've been living together for almost two years now. Yep. And um, we've made the decision that we think we'd like to buy something together. We rent now. We don't, we didn't immediately buy something, but I moved into our apartment now prior to renting, prior to, I wasn't part of that decision. You decided where to live and I thought it was great and convinced you to let me move in. (laughs) Yes. So I had found this apartment that we currently live in with the intention of living here on my own. Mm -hmm. Fortunately, it was, it's big enough for two of us. So it just felt, I think, very natural that we were spending a tremendous amount of time together. Therefore, it worked really well with you moving in here. And I think we've, on the whole, I'd say we've been pretty happy here. Yeah, I, I love our apartment. So we live in Sulahoun, so in the south of Copenhagen, the South Harbor. And it is, how would you describe our apartment? It's a new building, mm. so it's extremely warm inside. It's, how big is it, 100 square meters? A bit less, but thereabouts, yeah. We've got a balcony with not a great view, to be honest. We look directly into the apartment across from us. That's true, but I would say... There's always something to look at when you're sat out on the balcony. It's great for people watching. Great for people watching. No. I think we're, we also provide a lot of people watching entertainment. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's the nature of Copenhagen apartments. I think moving from London where I lived in a lot of beautiful old buildings that were very cold. Mm-hmm. I love, although it's lacking in character, this new build apartment in, in some ways. Yeah. It is like just a concrete box. So it's amazingly warm. Yes, we have our windows open year-round in the winter. Currently, we've got the windows in our bedroom open and the door closed so that we create like a... It does get cold in certain areas. And it's almost like we're trying to create like an icebox. Well, I love the icebox of a bedroom, right? Let's talk a little bit about some of the things that inspired us. Or, I mean, it wasn't overnight from one day to the next. Although it kind of feels that way. Where we decided to take the decision that, oh, we'd actually like to buy a place together. Do you, well, yeah. I mean, so I would say that maybe independently of our relationship, yeah. 
for the last few years, I've been thinking about buying somewhere because over the course of having worked for the last, say, 15 years, I kind of always have been saving money aside for mm-hmm. this deposit on yeah. this uh, home that I intended to buy. But it's just, there's never quite been the right time. And then moving countries and moving cities from from London to Copenhagen, it just, it's, renting is much more accessible. Yeah. So I guess for me, at least, it's, it's been on my mind for a long time, the idea of buying, but it just hasn't been kind of feasible. No. How about you? I have moved almost every single year I've lived in Copenhagen. And the the thought of buying always kind of felt unattainable. I never really looked into mortgages. I never really, I would just be happy if I could have rented my a place of my own, which for many years was financially out of reach. Um, and at the same time, I don't know if I'd want to live just on my own. I really get energy from being around people and, and don't always like coming home to an empty house. So I don't know if that's my preferred option. So I just never really looked that much into it. But it, it felt like, so we uh, had watched a series on Netflix, the yeah. aptly named How to Get Rich um, yeah, with which, Ramit. With Ramit, who is like very charismatic American, American financial guru. guru. Yeah. yeah. I think the name of that Netflix series is unfortunate in some ways because it sounds like a kind of title that I think would put a lot of people off. Like how to get rich. It just sounds quite wanky, but it's it's a it's so good. It was extremely really, good, really yeah. Good. I think we both really enjoyed it. And I think it was at that stage that we started transitioning to more seriously talking about, okay, what would it take to buy a house or a flat or something like that? What were some of the big takeaways you had after watching that series? I think he, so what I like about Ramit from this series is that he kind of challenges this myth. Like there's, I think he recognizes that there is this quite prevalent narrative. And I certainly saw this in the UK. And I would say I see it here as well in Denmark that you just, you have to buy, you have to, like, if you get the chance, you should buy property. And what I liked about his, what he did in that show was he challenged that and said, you know what, it's not right for everyone. And he did this episode where he said, but if you are thinking to buy, then these are some of the things you should be going into it with a mindset of. Yeah. And one of them was that you uh, want to buy somewhere where you intend to be for the next, say, 10 years. So going into it with this kind of long-term mindset. He did have two other points on there. I think it was one around like the kind of financial, so making sure that you can, that only a percentage of your disposable income yeah. is going on rent. And mm-hmm. I guess that's to avoid the scenario that I guess some people get into given the expensiveness of property that you spend a really high proportion of your disposable income on rent, which obviously then can impact the actual quality of your life. Yeah. I think there was a third point. Can you remember what that one was? I can't remember what it is, actually. I mean, the the one I recall resonating the most with with you and, and you know, eventually me was the... Just, 10 years. The 10 years yeah. and, and thinking about like, it's, it's the point that we discuss the most. And maybe we'll get into that a little bit because I do want to speak about some of our priorities that we're looking at in terms of like, what are we thinking about when buying an apartment um, that we want to live in for five to 10 years? And at the same time, I think I, many years ago, I don't even remember when I did this, I subscribed to this newsletter by a guy named Mario. Um, and I'll share a link to it in the description of this video. And he's 
the this guy that's very focused on on how to get rich specifically in Denmark, right? And we just happened to read that newsletter, or he he doesn't send it very often, but he sent a newsletter around the same time we we're watching the series. And one of the big topics in that newsletter is one of the few ways to get rich in Denmark is property, because there is such a low tax on it. Mm-hmm. So with that in mind, I think thinking about like a ten year outlook, neither of us really have. I, maybe maybe I can speak for myself. I don't have a tremendous amount of assets. I have some things invested, like in the stock market and that sort of thing. I haven't put a lot of thought into it. I haven't been systematic about it. It's something I only started within the past few years, and quite frankly, I did it when the market was high. So it's not in the short term. It's not looking great. Other than that, it's it's hard with the tax rate to be what some might classify as rich in Denmark. And with the math, because of of the tax reliefs you get it just it makes so much sense if you can afford it buy property Mm. and I think that point around if you can afford it is such an important one because Copenhagen like a lot of other major cities is is really expensive to buy property in so it is I think well it's definitely unobtainable to to a lot of people but also if you're on your own it is kind of quite out of reach so it's probably also at this point where we're able to go in on something like this together yeah. that it suddenly makes this you know buying somewhere a potential reality yeah i think i think we're in a a very fortunate scenario which many people might not be in where we earn similar we have a similar earning potential where there's not really any imbalance when it comes to looking at our finances and when you combine our salaries together it, it puts us in a position where we can seriously look at the housing market where I mean that's a lot of the reason why I never really looked at it before because alone it was completely out of reach I mean the prices you're looking at in in a major city like Copenhagen are just it's just insane to think of of even borrowing that much even the Mm. two of us together right yeah no exactly and and on that point I think before we even started talking about flats we had the idea that maybe because you were you were always a little bit more interested in in renting because you prefer the flexibility right yeah I think I have acknowledged that I have had quite a bit of fear around buying an apartment or a home because I acknowledge that it is a tremendous amount of debt that you end up taking on board. And I guess throughout my working life, I've always tried to kind of minimize the amount of of debt I I have. It's just kind of a maybe a risk averse preference that I have. So just the, the concept of kind of being indebted to the amount that you get when you get a mortgage feels very scary to me. And I also have valued, you know, over the past many years, the flexibility that renting brings. Yeah. If something breaks, it's not my problem. Someone comes and fixes it. If I lose my job or if I want to go traveling and kind of have that flexibility to drop that commitment quite quickly. And so it's been a bit of a process to kind of get my head around, you know, the thought of buying and what that means for in terms of trade-offs with some of those things I've enjoyed about renting. Yeah, I think one of the things that we we started looking at very early on was not buying a flat at all. We wanted to buy property, but we were thinking about buying a summer house. Yeah, that's right. Which is quite a Scandinavian thing. For those of you in North America, it's it's kind of like buying a cottage, but it feels like everyone's I don't know, it's very common to have a summer house here. Yeah. It's I mean, it's quite a privileged thing, I think. Yeah. But um I some certainly a number of my colleagues at work will have they live in Copenhagen. But then they'll also have like a small summer house, which is usually like a kind of a little, yeah, like you say, cottage by the coast or in the forest or something. And they'll go there on the weekends and spend their time with their family there. 
So I definitely, I guess it's probably like a, not everyone here that has that, but it's definitely something that's that's quite um, commonplace. Yeah, I think it was a, it was a idea we romanticized a little bit mm. to start with, just this idea of having like a cabin in the woods that we owned. And I think initially what we, the reason we were thinking about it was it's significantly cheaper to buy a summer house than it would be to buy a flat in central Copenhagen. You know, that goes without saying, because you're going usually out in, in the boonies or in Jutland, so the west of Denmark and in a totally different island of the country. Um, but I think we we both decided against that for two main reasons. I mean, we we kind of learned eventually that it wasn't really an investment. And at this stage, neither of us are really interested in owning a home and having all the overhead maintenance that comes with that. And we do a lot of traveling, so having to always go to the summer house as our vacation seemed a bit less flexible. Yeah, and I think I think a big turning point on that idea, which I was very excited about for a while, was when your grandma came to visit. Yeah. And I think it just dawned on me as we were talking it through with her and she was kind of I think giving us a bit of a reality check on it. Yeah. Is that it would what it would mean in practice is us spending most of our weekends leaving the city and going to a summer house and kind of doing all the work that comes with the upkeep of a, a house. And, you know, that's just not our life at the moment. Like no. we enjoy our weekends in the city because that's where our friends are and that's where our kind of social life is. So I think maybe at some point in the future, maybe it's something that may, would make sense. But I think right now it's probably not not the way to go. No, and I, I've, you know, I've been fortunate enough to spend a lot more time in, in summer houses than you have. And I absolutely love it. But at the same time, I've been able to enjoy it and indulge in it while not owning it, not having any of the responsibility that comes with owning a house in a different part of the country. Yeah. And I kind of think if it's something we wanted to experiment with, then we could do that. We could try some weekends and like kind of rent a summer house yeah. and see, do we like that lifestyle? And like, are we, is it worth the kind of traveling every weekend and just to test out before? It's probably something better once you have a family. Yeah. And maybe this is a good time to transition into, so we've, we've decided then that we want to buy somewhere that we're actually going to live in. And we considered a number of options in terms of location, size, number of rooms, house, all this sort of thing. What kind of future are we planning for? I think we're planning for a future where, well, that we're living in Copenhagen, where we're probably both working in Copenhagen. I think for that's certainly the case right now and probably for the foreseeable is where a lot of the jobs are. Yeah. I think we're planning for a future where, you know, the reality is that our families live abroad. Mm -hmm. And so we can expect that they will come to visit on occasion. Mm -hmm. And I think we're also planning for a future where hopefully we'll have kids. Yeah. Which, of course, is different from today and therefore that's quite an intangible thing but I guess we're lucky in the sense that some of our friends here are living in Copenhagen and have kids so trying to draw on some of their experiences. Yeah I think it, it took us even quite some discussions to land on it was definitely Copenhagen that we wanted to stay in because True. on that point of of wanting to start a family eventually within within the short-term future the next year or two you currently have family in Vaila in Jutland and the housing prices there are much cheaper so you can definitely get way more bang for your buck and you made the pretty strong case that if you've got a young child it's much easier when you've got family around to to lean on and and support when they can, especially when both of our parents, your parents are in the UK, my parents are in Canada, just having anyone there would be great. But ultimately we decided we are going to stay in Copenhagen. Yeah, at least for the time being. And I think then 
as our life evolves, as it might do over the coming years, we can sort of reassess and see, okay, do we still love our life here and is it working for us still or would we like to explore living somewhere else? But I think it is having talked through those options, staying in Copenhagen for now is makes the most sense. Yeah, we, we use the city a lot. We enjoy it. And I think I could probably see us at some stage down the road, maybe wanting to move a bit outside the city. We both work with a lot of young families. Uh, you know, you've got a lot of colleagues that are, you know, new mothers or fathers and, you know, they start their family and they they make it work in these apartments. And you, you come to realize that living near one of the great parks, uh, there's thousands of them in the city, is actually a huge benefit. Suddenly you start to notice all these things. Mm, yeah, that's true. And I think, I guess, if I'm being totally honest, my dream, like, if it could ever be made to work, yeah. is that sometime in the next 10 years, we find this amazing farmhouse where there's, like, three <laughs> where there's three wings. Wings sounds very grand. But, you know, three, three distinct parts of the house. And we live in one with our family. Yeah. My sister and her husband live in the other wing. Yeah. And then my parents live in the other wing. And I appreciate that sounds quite intense, but that is kind of my commune dream yes i I think think it can still happen but not right now you love your family a lot i love my family too but i think it's it's a very uh interesting juxtaposition seeing how frequently you call your mom which is minimum once a week oh yeah you call your sister you guys text more frequently maybe you call once a week maybe less i call my parents once a month i don't really call my brother at all also my my family is much further away so it makes a lot of sense to, to optimize for that. And we can also, it's much easier for us to bounce and see your parents and your family more than once a year. So yeah. I think it's it's more likely your family will move to Denmark than it is my family will, considering you're half Danish. Yeah, um, I'm trying to move the chess pieces so that yeah. it can eventually happen. But I just have this, I know this might be kind of naive and I, maybe it's a bit idealized, but just having that dynamic where you can pop over for a cup of tea. Oh, that would be glorious. And I, I've, I've made my peace with the fact that we, we won't have that with family here in Copenhagen. We might have it with friends, depending on where we end up living. But, you know, long term, let's see. But, I mean, you've been, you've been talking about that since, I don't know, since we've moved in together even before that. Like, just this idea of having people pop over <laughs> for a cup of tea. <laughs> I love it. Some people think that sounds absolutely horrific, that you just have someone, like, knock on the door. I think it sounds great. Yeah. I would love that. Well, that's so speaking of priorities, one thing that that was on our list of things to consider is is how can we move to an area that's got a community? That's something you you feel you're really missing. Yeah. And I've I've never really had it, so maybe again this could be an idealized thing, but when you live in big cities or at least my experience of it is living in apartments, it's quite like a transient population. Yeah. And I've just never got to know my neighbors that well. And we don't really know our neighbors here. I'm always kind of amazed that you hardly ever pass anyone in the hallways. We must live on totally different schedules. I don't know how that works. Yeah. I mean, I've seen a lot of, I feel like I see different faces all the time. We're also in an area where there's a mix of young families and sometimes students. So Mm -hmm. multiple students will rent out one flat. Um, So you do see a lot of people coming and going. There's always people moving in. There's probably at least once a month there's two two to three moving vans in this neighborhood yeah not just in this neighborhood but in this whole area so yeah and I, and I know you have to put in the effort right you've got to put in the effort to to build a community and maybe I've been guilty of not doing that so much because when you rent you kind of know you're only here for a short amount of time 
But I would really like when we buy somewhere to just, that we're, you know, we're planting our roots somewhere and really making that effort to get to know the neighbours and being part of a community. That would be awesome. Yeah, so I think that's that's another interesting discussion we had is the difference between an Ayaboli and an Andilsboli. In Denmark, there are these two different types of things that you can buy into where an Ayaboli is like buying a flat or a condo. It's it's your buying to own. So it's, it's private kind of, ownership. It's private it? ownership yeah. where an Andilsboli is you're buying into a cooperative. So yeah. do you are you do you want to try and explain that a little bit more in depth like what is an Andilsboli? Oh God! To the I'm best of your sure, ability, I'm not sure I'm qualified to do that. But my understanding, yeah. and correct me if I'm wrong, is that how the kind of cooperative model works is that you, when you buy, say, an apartment in a block that is an Andelsbolli, you're buying like a proportion of that building, and with that comes some kind of limitations in terms of the the value of that property of your particular part of that building but it also comes with kind of commitments to being part of like a residential association i think what we learned having researched more into andil's bully uh, is that it is maybe less a kind of investment vehicle because there are you can't really sell it for a significant profit because it's constrained by the um the building but it is it's more for people that really just want somewhere to live and it can be a more accessible way of getting onto the property market because the prices tend to be controlled and, and, and lower. Yeah, so so from our perspective, um, a former colleague of mine was selling there and deals bully. And I think the thing that immediately draws your attention is the price. You know, the flat we were looking at was half the price. So t- maybe we can just jump back quickly two steps and talk a little bit about our budget. So we are looking to borrow, you know, around six million Danish kroner, give or take either way, which is a lot of money. I think for, yeah. I know that translates to Canadian dollars to about 1.2 million Canadian dollars. Holy moly. Yeah. That sounds it like sounds, a lot. It sounds much bigger when it's a smaller number somehow. Yeah. <laughs> how, how much is that in pounds? Oh, I've got no idea. I can okay. do the conversion while you're... Yeah. So that's roughly how much we're looking at, 6 million in that range to get um, the size. That, well, that's that's kind of near the upper limit of what we can borrow. And it's we don't want to borrow our max. No. Because we don't want to completely be scraping by. Um, this end deals probably we're looking at was three million, and it was the same size. It was in a as some of the apartments we were looking at. It was great location. Like if it were an Iobali, so one of these buy to let, it would have been six million, if not more. So I think initially we're drawn in by the price of it, and then once you get in there, you see what it means to live as part of a community because every decision in the building is taken communally. There's there's a committee that meets. There's even the neighbors were talking with one another. It seems like everyone knows everyone in the building. The, mm. the sense of community is clearly greater because everyone's involved in the comings and goings of the building. But it comes with that that downside, which is um, it is not an investment. So the value of the building is set by the committee. You do They do an assessment of the value of it on a biannual basis or an annual basis. Yeah, I, I think that's an that. independent valuer. But yeah. yeah. So they, a value is set and you don't have control over what you sell your apartment for. The value of your apartment is set based on what the value of the building is and how much square meterage you have of that building, is my understanding. Yeah. And so if part of your motivation for buying property is to benefit from the, the kind of market growth, yeah. then one of these cooperatives uh, isn't, isn't the way to go for that. No, and that's I think that's something we we realized after visiting it and, and having some more conversations with each other is that it reminded us that this is something that we do want as a long-term investment. And we are fortunate enough that 
we can enter the IOBLE market. We can enter the actual property market where a lot of people, you know, if, if I were just a single guy trying to buy an apartment, it might be more realistic for me to start looking in Andilsbudi. Mm. So that further narrows down what we're looking into. We've talked about budget. We're looking roughly for an apartment that is as big as what we have now, if not a little bit bigger. And we've been talking a lot about, we're lucky now we have a two bedroom apartment. In in Denmark, they have this weird thing where if you're actually looking for houses on like whatever housing sites they have, it you search by rooms and it's not bedrooms. It's just rooms in the home, yeah. which is deeply, deeply frustrating and annoying because you'll search for a four room apartment, which we would search for a four room because you want three bedrooms plus the living room or a living room kitchen combined. Yeah. A lot of these apartments are kind of open plan in that way. But oftentimes what you come across is like a four or five room where the the kitchen is a separate room, the, the living room is a separate room, then there's like the hallway, which is a separate room. And <laughs> yes, then you've got, true. you know, the, the actual two bedrooms. So the search process is a bit irritating. Yeah. And it seems like it's, so we've had this constant back and forth because we have the two bedroom now, which is great for the two of us. Well, you know, we've got our bedroom, plus we've got a guest room slash home office, which makes it very easy for your family to come visit. We've got a, a bed for them to stay in. Um, my family's now come to stay with us. Um, my dad's coming over the Christmas. Mm-hmm. My grandma came earlier this year. Maybe my mom will come next year, the following year. And we have friends. We've, I think we've had someone stay with us at least every month. Yeah, it's been probably s- near enough. Yeah. It's, pro- it's such a luxury. And we love hosting. We love inviting people to our home. So that's been an important piece for us to be able to keep that. Yeah. At the same time, if you're looking at starting a family in the, the short to medium term future, that room is suddenly no longer a guest room or an office room. It becomes a nursery yeah. or a child's room. Yeah. So intuitively, we're, we're thinking, oh, three rooms would be best for us. But at the same time, many of the apartments we looked at, many of them are two bedroom. And once you get into that three bedroom range, you're suddenly getting into a price that isn't accessible to us anymore. Yeah. So what are your thoughts? How we, we had a long discussion about this last night. Where yeah. did we land? Yeah, I think, I think we realized that two of the big constraints or things that we need to kind of get clear on what our requirements are is this two versus three bedroom decision. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, because like you say, it is quite difficult to find three bedroom apartments in our price range and in the locations we like. So the bedrooms point and then secondly the requirement about proximity to the sea yes so that's that's a big (laughs) requirement which is not i'm not a very aquatic person i'll be the first to admit that it wasn't actually until we started dating that i went into the the waters around here in in denmark for the first time i don't i just never went into the sea or we live in you know the Basically, where we live, people have uh, docks for their boats instead of driveways for their cars. We're right on the sea. It's beautiful. Yeah. And that's somewhere you've always aspired to live by the water. Yeah, exactly. And also, I love the fact that you started swimming in February, which is notoriously the coldest time to start swimming in the sea here. So hats off to you for that effort. But yeah, I just, there, I find something incredibly soothing about being near and around water. Um, and also, just very practically... One of my great joys in life is finishing a run in the summer and just diving straight into the sea. 
And I know that it sounds such a... It sounds, it sounds extremely bougie. It sounds so bougie. And it just, every time that I do that, I just think, God, this is the absolute life. It is. I mean, they're, they're, <laughs> we're so fortunate. We often look at each other and we're like, wow, we, we love you know, all of the, the weird, simple luxuries that living in the city affords us. Yeah. And for you, that means living by the water. And we, we discussed that a lot yesterday because I, you know, you've always said, oh, I got to live by the water. I'm scared if I don't live by the water because it's it's been so important to me. And I finally live here and now it's it's normalized to me. Yeah. And if we take that away, like, do you just, do, does your head just explode? What happens? <laughs> no, I don't know. And I, I guess because we have been living by the sea, like we can literally see the sea from our balcony. So mm. it is really close. I kind of think, well, maybe it would be fine if we didn't live so close to the sea. But I just also know from when I lived in London that I lived maybe a 20-minute walk from the River Thames. Yeah. Now, the River Thames is a disgusting piece of water. It's <laughs> like, it is brown and slimy. But it was whenever I needed a kind of a, a calm moment or mm. to think or to kind of... um soothe myself I suppose for want of a better phrase I would go to this little spot sat by the river and so I just think I acknowledge that being near moving water does something important for me and and I just so the thought of moving away from that feels a little scary so what that means in practice though and it's maybe important context is that property by the sea in Copenhagen (laughs) is quite expensive yeah, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. But you know what? If if living by the sea keeps you from stabbing me just out of pure <laughs> frustration about having not I can't been promise the sea, anything. We can't promise anything. Then I'm I'm willing to concede for that. Now, you know, I, I, I love it as well. Not that I, you know, I take advantage of it as much as you do, but it is it is beautiful. It uh, is without nice. question. So I think that's what we're coming like if we look at a map of Copenhagen, there's several different neighborhoods. There's Nürbo, so the north of the city, which I think you've more or less written off because it's very... Far from the sea. Very far from the sea. I mean, <laughs> that's the simplest way to put it. I love Nürbo, so I'd be very happy to live there. I'd quite frankly be happy to live in most parts of the city, but we can safely write that off. Um, Norhound, which is... We live in Sulehound, so the South Harbour. Nor, nor The North Harbour is also very similar to Sulehound, and it's right by the water. It's very up-and-coming, beautiful area. But in terms of pricing, it is for one reason or another, significantly more expensive than Sulehound. Yeah, it is. Some other, you know, neighborhoods across the city, I think Ustabro is the classic young family, slightly posh area. Mm. Really beautiful there, quiet, but again, no sea. Well, I mean, it's not that far from the sea, but it's also most of our friends live on the kind of southwest side of the city. Mm. So we spend a lot of our free time over here. So yeah. to me, it feels a kind of a bit more natural to stay on our side of the city. Now, so we've we've more or less the, the ideal part of the city we'd love to live in is yep. East Landsberg. It's Agreed. it's amazing there. It's beautiful. It's the perfect balance of being by the sea, being by Amafila, which is like this big green area mm-hmm. in the southeast of the city or southwest. I don't know. Uh, Someone get a compass. It's somewhere in the city in Ama. How so? I guess we didn't completely rule out AMA as an option. It's interesting you mentioned that because it turned, I've become aware that a lot of Danes look down their noses at AMA 
Have you had this? Yes, I have. I wish we had um, one of our friends here to... I've, a Dane. I've a Dane here a real to back Dane. us up because, you know, one of my good friends that I've been hanging out with, he has a flat in Amma at the moment. So he would speak very highly of Amma, uh, I, okay. think, I think. All right. But at the same time, my understanding is it's the very kind of unfair stereotype of Amma is you've got the people that, you know, they don't just sound like they're from Copenhagen. You can tell specifically they're from Amma. It's the spray tan vibe. It's kind of like the Jersey Shore of Copenhagen. Really? Almost. I think that's the reputation. Yeah. How strange. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I just, I've had colleagues that were like, oh my God, I'd never live on Emma. And I just, I think there's a lot to be said. I think it's a nice. And, and for nice many areas. years, I had that same um, opinion. Mm-hmm. And I think one thing that's changed it is, I mean, Amma is huge. So there's a lot of different parts that you could live in. Some are a little bit new builds. There's that very new build area. Is it Erstel area? Erstel. Uh, Urson. Yeah. Is it Urson? Urstel. Urstel. Whatever it is, it's terrible. And everyone that moves there hates it. So that's total write-off. Well, apparently it is used as like a case study for architecture and town planning students. Really? As like how not to build a city area, which is is quite fascinating because it's got the ingredients to be a fine place. Yeah. But it is this sort of like soulless wasteland. It's 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 really strange. So, I mean, I guess... Amma's not off the table then. We could potentially move there given mm-hmm. a certain proximity to the sea. Um, they also have Amma, Amma Beach, which is quite lovely. Uh, lovely. Yeah. Sulhan, we live here now. We'd still love to live here. Yep. Um, benefit of Sulhan is you've got a lot of new buildings where Amma, because that's the older part of Copenhagen, you tend to have older buildings. So, which is fine. It just means that uh, they're going to be colder, which for me, I'd love. I'd, I'd love to live in an igloo, but I think you have different opinions. Yeah, I love living in a warm place. And Eastlandsbrugge, also newer builds. I think the main downside to Eastlandsbrugge is, again, it's one of those uh, expensive areas. It's up and coming. Yeah. I don't know exactly how it compares to Norhound, no. um, but maybe it's worth us digging into. We saw a former colleague of mine. So the Andils bully we saw and fell in love with until we decided we we wanted to shatter our dreams of, of going down the Andils route. That was in Eastlandsbrugge. Yeah, exactly. And we also saw another one of my former colleagues' flat in East Sandsburgo, which um, is another beautiful location. Mm-hmm. So I think it's it's an area that we'd love to live if we can, if we can afford it. Um, but it comes down to the availability of three-bedroom houses uh, or apartments in that area. I think what we, what we have decided is that we're probably not going to live in a house. Uh, mainly because no. <laughs> I, I don't want to mobile on. <laughs> I don't think that's the main barrier. I think it's the fact they cost about 11 million. No, if you get... Okay, I guess if we're looking at a house... <laughs> yeah, fair. <laughs> Buying a house inside a major city is extremely expensive. It is. It is. Um, there are some beautiful row houses that if we could... If anyone wants to just lend us with zero interest and we'll pay you back maybe like an extra four, five, six million, then we can buy this the perfect apartment for us. Yeah. Um, I know that's not going to happen, but we're, we're really having to, um, kind of make a trade-off. Like, do we really want to live by the sea or do we want a three bedroom apartment? Because we can, the, the option of three bedroom apartments in that area is so slim and they tend to be so expensive because they are bigger. There's more square meters to them. And even some of these flats that are, you know, bigger in square meters, a lot of the new builds, they're just, it's just more common to have a two bedroom flat, right? At yeah. least it feels that way. Yeah. So I think it probably is maybe a trade-off that we need to consider. 
um, especially if we also yeah, do want to be by the sea. I think maybe the other requirement that we haven't touched on so much is I think if we can, we would like to optimize for the kind of living space. So like yeah. the living room, the kitchen. I think what we really love about our apartment right now is it's this kind of open plan kitchen, living room area. And, you know, we spend 99% of our waking time out here. And when even when we have guests, it is centered around this space. So I think um, optimizing for that is, even if that means kind of small bedrooms, I think we're kind of on the same page that that's, that's what we would do. Yeah, I think that's that's another thing we we tended to see with some of these uh, three or four bedroom apartments is that you, you know, to get it within a square meter it, it, that we could afford, you're sacrificing on that living space. Yeah. And I think it was one of your friends that's recently bought an apartment and had a kid where they said, oh, actually, you need living space because suddenly you got a lot more things. Yeah, you got a lot of stuff. So, um, yeah, I think we're trying to take these learnings from others that we know who are kind of going through a similar process and feed that into our thinking. Um, I have a really hard time just like putting the appropriate value on all these future (laughs) known unknowns. Like I just, I don't like stuff. So if we just had less space and that meant less stuff, that's fine. But if you throw a kid into the mix and you've got toys, like I just don't know how many toys and just suddenly you've got all these toys and you're, you know, you need space. And then a child is a third, even though it's small, it's a third person. Yeah, And these things are hard to factor in and, and just like how important, because I think we made, we had a pretty big discussion yesterday where we landed on the fact that I think you would be okay giving up the third room mm-hmm. if it meant living by the sea. So we've weighed those slightly higher than one another, which I yeah. think is a pretty significant decision to have made. Yeah, um, I think so. And I think it will help us when we, really get stuck into viewing more apartments and when we're really ready to kind of press go on as we enter the new year is just having a bit of a sense of what is slightly more important than the others and I think it's good for us to have this like these criteria of in an ideal world these are the things that we would love yeah because hey maybe it will be possible yeah maybe we will be able to find something with these things and if not then knowing kind of which ones are slightly more important than the others will be helpful as well yeah and i think maybe that's um we can touch on that final point of discussion that we've been thinking about when it comes to buying a house is is when and in in denmark they're introducing some new rules around housing tax here which seems to have put a little spark in the housing market there's been an increase in interest rates which it seems have has tempered demand uh, in some way or another but now you're starting to see a lot of apartments come on the market that might not otherwise have because people are looking to sell their apartments before this new tax rule kicks in. Mm. And our understanding of the rule is that if you buy your apartment this year, then the existing tax rules apply to you for as long as you own your apartment. And if you buy it next year, well, then you, you're subject to the new tax rules, which is just simply put a higher tax rate. And we did the math on it. And it seemed in, in terms of some of the houses we were looking at at our price range, the, the increase in cost is, is a, a, a notable chunk of change. I think over the course of 10 years, or let's look at it from a five-year period. Do you remember what it was? Mm, I can't, I think it was around like 100, 100 to 150,000. Wasn't that over enough. 10 years? 
Yeah, I think that was over. Yeah, over, over ten long, years. And I think in the grand scheme of things, what we realized because we were unsure whether or not we should have a little bit of fire under our ass because we've got a big trip coming up where we're going to be gone and traveling for three weeks. So we don't necessarily. It's unrealistic for us to look at buying something this year because then we're into December where it's Christmas and you know we're going to be visiting family. We're mm-hmm. going to be doing Christmas things. So I think we're we're a bit worried on missing out on this opportunity and potentially better, more favorable housing prices, or I guess housing prices are slightly increased, but what does this equate to? And I think ultimately what we decided is that hundred that cost, we feel, I guess now we're speculating a little bit, that the market in next year is going to decrease in terms of housing prices more so than that cost, the tax will, will endure uh, having bought something in 2024. Yeah, I mean, I would say that our calculations are based on googling and my interpretations of of that googling and turning it into some a spreadsheet. So we should we should validate it. But, but I mean, you put it in a spreadsheet <laughs> and you've got a maths degree. Um, oh god! So I take that as as truth. Yeah. All right. Well, let's. <laughs> if my calculations are correct, then I think our. Um, I mean, regardless, I just think it's a practical infeasibility for us to buy this side of Christmas. So, yeah. and. Look, the reality is, yes, there's a lot of people rushing to buy houses now, but it's not going to grind to a total standstill next year. People are still going to be buying homes and selling homes next year. Will we pay a little more in tax? Yes. Are we currently placing bets on property prices decreasing beginning of next year? Also, yes. And from what I'm hearing, speaking to colleagues and friends, that seems to be kind of general sentiment. But of course, all of these things are speculation and we have... Absolutely no idea. We're just going to have to see how things land after Christmas. After Christmas. So if you've made it this far in the podcast. <laughs> God bless you. <laughs> God bless you. Um, if you if you made it this far in the podcast and you, you or you know someone that has an apartment in Copenhagen that you're looking to sell and you live in East Landsbrugge and the apartment is above 100 square meters, three bedrooms and around 6 million kroner, give me a call. <laughs> Give me a call, send me that an email, unicorn get in touch. Profile. That yeah. unicorn profile. Mm-hmm. Um, if you live in Sulahan, specifically in one of those beautiful row houses um, that you may or may not know what I'm talking about, and you want to sell us that for half the price it's worth, then also get in touch. We'd absolutely Please love do. you. Yeah. I'll give you a big smooch on the forehead. <laughs> uh, I'm looking forward to buying an apartment with you one day. Yeah, me too. I think one of the things that we just said when we set out on this process was let's try and enjoy the process of it yeah and i think there have been moments where i feel a bit overwhelmed yeah and it's and there's definitely been moments where i I just feel like this kind of urgency but i would say on the whole i'm enjoying the process of it and talking through all these different things and in our overthinking way approaching this purchase we have to be very stoic people if you don't enjoy the journey the destination is not going to be fun at all There you go. Words Uh, of inspiration. Words of inspiration, words of aspiration, aspiration, words of perspiration. Anyway, um, we're done discussing for today. (laughs) Okay. I love you dearly.